Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 61 of State of the Game, the golf podcast that talks about stuff that matters. My name's Rod Murray, and what matters on this episode can best be described as an eclectic mix of topics as we catch up with our the wanderings of our co-host, Mike Clayton. Clayton's been traversing the globe the last few weeks. He's seen some unusual and interesting golf sites. We'll hear about that and plenty more as we go along. But first, let me introduce our other co-host for State of the Game, writer, blogger, critic, Jeff Shackelford. Shack, it's been too long again. Plenty of ha- plenty happening in the world of golf while we've been away and looking forward to catching up with Clayton. Yes, we have way too much to uh, to cover and discuss, and we apologize for for uh, our three. What was it? Six week tour. I think six weeks of, um, think of vacation. Yeah, you, you, our off season. You and Clates are too successful. You see, that's the problem. I sit mm-hmm. here and wait and wait, and you guys are always away, oh. busy <laughs> and working. He's mm-hmm. both co-host and guest this week, though comfortable in either role. Former touring pro turned architect and commentator on the game, Mike Clayton. Clates looking forward to hearing about some of your travels recently. There's been some interesting stuff on the go. You've been present at quite a bit of it, including the President's Cup, which we'll come to in a moment. Yeah, it was very interesting, the President's Cup. Terrific mm. last day, I thought. I saw half of the Saturday and all of Sunday, so it was a great event, I thought. Let's start with the President's Cup because, Shaq, I think we're probably going to have two different views on this. Reading your blog over the course of the event, there's probably two problems with this. It's not the Ryder Cup, so America has less interest automatically, and it was on in the middle of the night which probably didn't help as far as TV went. But from the international's perspective, finally we had a Sunday that was interesting. What was your overall take on the President's Cup, Shaq, and how important it is? Is it in the golf? Well, actually, something really strange happened. The, the ratings for the live broadcast on Golf Channel were phenomenal. Um, they were they were, yeah, just, just incredible ratings for considering half the country – uh, was probably asleep, and people were watching. And it's very heartening that on a Friday night and a Saturday night, uh, you know, part of it is that, that a lot of our television networks can be very East Coast-centric, so they forget there are a lot of people in the West who do enjoy watching sports at night. And uh, I think the combination of, of that and the fact that it was close and there were some uh, – I mean, because really, let's be honest, the, the lineups, the captains were – uh, dreadful. They did a terrible job giving us some marquee matches, especially on Sunday in the singles. It was mm. pathetic, mm-hmm. and yet people still watch because they were they were good matches. The golf course was producing some compelling situations, and um, and then the internationals played well. I thought they had a fascinating team. A lot of people complained that they were they just couldn't get excited about a team with people from so many different places and countries. And I think that's what's fun about the international team that you're bringing together all these different cultures. Um, so I, I agree. I, but, and I think that there's a really big issue which kind of has been missed. I've been trying to form it in my own mind here. And maybe you can give us some thoughts from on the ground there, Clates. But Annaban Lahiri, who's an incredibly talented player who will become known this year in the US, Jeff, there's no question about that. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. a seriously good player. I know he missed that putt at the end, but the importance of him taking part and – Kids in India being able to, do you know what? Maybe one day I could play President's Cup, where it becomes important. We've never really thought about it as important because it's always been the poor cousin to the Ryder Cup, haven't we, Jeff? But if it becomes important in a place like India, then the President's Cup becomes more important globally. Do you think? Well, sure. And then having uh, Sang Moon Bay play in Korea when Nick Price would allow him to play was uh, phenomenal. Uh, there were a lot of, yeah, I mean, Lahiri brought a European tour element to the mm-hmm. to the event, which in itself was fun. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I think the grow the game thing is uh, we get tired of hearing it. It gets brought up on every 
single thing to justify um, a lot. But in this case, it really is a, a situation where it does grow the game, and um, and and then you know, and then pe- people seized on the, the the choking. Well, the choking shows that it mattered. And that it mattered to these players, and ultimately people admire them more. Uh, I think there's always a perception that we that people who uh, choke, we we kind of laugh at them or or uh, belittle them. And wow, he really threw up there on that putt on the last hole. But actually, no, we end up admiring them more because it it meant a lot to them, and he he absolutely killed that putt, <laughs> wow. and it power lipped out and. Um, but it was dramatic. It was it was compelling to watch. I was going to say more important, Clates. It's memorable, isn't it? And you know, the Ryder Cup was almost dead in the water before the Europeans joined, and it became interesting and competitive. This was the first really competitive Ryder Cup, uh, Presidents Cup Sunday. I can remember the importance of that can't be overplayed, can it, for the the future of the event and its potential in the game? Because we need more team match play. It doesn't make sense not to have it. We just need more match play. Match play is so much more interesting to watch. Mm. It was terrific, but. Yeah, I mean, Lahiri missed that putt, but coming down that last hole with Sangman Bay, it was a pity the match wasn't all square. The fact he was one down really kind of made it marginally less interesting, but it was still great to see that massive Korean crowd watching their local hero play that last hole. It was, it really, you know, you really had to be there to see how how good it was. I've never been to a Ryder Cup, but, and obviously it's a much bigger event, it's much older, and it's, but the, those who ride the, the, you know, the President's Cup off as an exhibition kind of, needed to be there on Sunday to see that that wasn't any sort of exhibition. In fairness... I mean, Shell's wonderful world of golf was an exhibition. This was bigger than that. Yeah. In fairness, though, Clades, in the past, it has been somewhat of an exhibition in the sense that um, by Sunday, it was generally over. We won that one in 1998, the internationals. But generally speaking, by Saturday night, the President's Cup's been over. You didn't feel there was any hope. That wasn't the case this time around. I think that seemed to be the difference. It was despite the drubbing in the very first round of foursomes, it was pretty even since then and, you know, really was a compelling Sunday that was set up. And it got more compelling as it went on. Though. Yeah. At one point, they were down in eight matches and it was, you know, with two hours to go, it was, I, I, you know, I never thought they had a chance, but all those guys turned those matches around. I mean, I mean Leishman turned his match around against Spieth and Bowditch won and, you know, they did they turned a lot of matches around at the end, which is terrific. Yeah, indeed. And what was it like on the ground, Clates? We know that Korea is, you know, there's there's an interest in golf in Korea, clearly. We see a lot of their players both on the men's and women's tour. So there's a golf culture there. Uh, were the fans educated? What was it like to be on the ground? And, and, and did they sort of, appre- oh, clearly they appreciated what was going on, but what was your thoughts from, from the atmosphere? It was great. Uh, I mean, I've been to Woburn and, and the British Masters on Thursday, and it was a typically British crowd of, Sort of middle-aged and older husbands and wives on on Thursday, and much similar to Australia. And you go to Korea, and the gallery is largely populated by twenty to thirty-five-year-old couples watching golf, and a completely different crowd. I mean, I mean, obviously a mix of older older people, but you know, it's a very aspirational game. That if you play golf in Korea, that's some some measure of you've made it at some level. On the downside, it's expensive to play and the golf courses that I mean that golf course was incredibly expensive to build but it was a much it was a noticeably much different crowd from the one at Woburn on the Thursday only two days earlier so it's a and again at the women's tournament the next week it was the same thing again you know a much younger group of people watching the golf and getting into the game it's you know it's seen as a very important game up there Mm. 
In Japan, Clates, they say that the women's game is bigger than the men's. Is it the same in Korea? Because, of course, the men have to do their military service, which has a great impact, and Sangmoon Bay is a prime example, from the president's crop straight to the military base virtually to do his his two years. But is the women's game in Korea, is it is it sort of bigger than the men's? And that's not the case, obviously, elsewhere in the world, certainly not here in Australia or America. Well, I've never seen a men's tournament in Korea, but the Hanabak tournament the week later was a... It was a big deal. I mean, all the best players in the world were there and the, 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 the crowds were great in the weekend. The golf was pretty good. I mean, Amy Young buried the last nine holes was pretty cool. Uh, and again, it was the same sort of crowd. You know, it was a younger crowd. There were the sea golf is a very important sport and, and the tournaments is very important events. Mm. Shaq, it's interesting. I mean, women's golf, obviously, we've seen, and the sponsorship dollars in women's golf coming out of Korea far more so than the men's. But as an American, which has <clears> sort of been traditionally the home base of the biggest professional tour in the world in the PGA Tour, what are your thoughts on sort of the expansion of the game in Asia and places outside of America and how that's going to play out over the next few years, perhaps, given that China's about to ban golf, it would seem? so. <laughs> well, that's the really uh, fascinating thing in all of this with what's developing there. I talked to a few people this week who have been doing a lot of work there and they, they have no plan. They don't see it on their radar going forward. It's, it's really collapsing quickly in China. The, the, uh, and, and a lot of it obviously is the image of the sport and it, it's, uh, ironic in that this, we, we've talked about this before that, We've been spreading a game there that's that's not sustainable, <laughs> mm. uh, and not only are they seeing that it's not sustainable, they just they have an image issue with it, and um, I'm sure there are other dynamics we don't understand and and never will. But um, we certainly did not export a version of the sport that the every man could play there, and maybe the every everyday person can't because of uh, money anyway and and the lack of courses, but. Uh, it's going to be fascinating to see. Obviously, Korea and Japan—they're it, different dynamics, and golf is 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 fairly healthy in those places and compelling, and and really hasn't uh, and has been for a while. And I don't see it changing from what everybody seems to say when they go there. And my one time to Korea, I, you didn't sense that there was uh, uh, anything but a very good future for the sport. Um, so I, I love what we're. I, I love when they try to expand the sport and we get players playing over there. Uh, I was very fascinated by the crowds at the President's Cup. The way they react to shots, it was uh, it was another element to, that made it fun viewing. Just because the crowds reacted in ways you don't normally hear, and I, I don't know what to attribute that to. If it's, uh, but it was. It, it may have just been something as simple as they don't get to see enough uh, high quality golf. I can't remember how many of the world's, I mean, I know McElroy and Fowler is, and I think Spieth might have played in Korea over the years, but yeah, I don't think they've ever had anything quite like the President's Cup. They kept sitting next no. to the, the fairway on that drivable, the short par four there, Clates, and, and getting hit every time someone hit a hook off the tee. It didn't seem to bother them, though. They yeah, well, they had that, all the massive stands down the right of that hole. But s someone I spoke to there pointed out, he's, he, he said, this is the first time that people in Korea have ever seen these players. Mm. You know, the, I mean, you know, en masse, all these great players have never seen this before. So, so that they really appreciated it, which shows why it was a great thing to take the event there. Mm, yeah, couldn't agree more. What about the course itself, Clates, from on the ground? I only saw pictures, obviously, and it certainly seemed to produce compelling golf, but what were your thoughts on the golf course? Well, the course was pretty good. You know, as usual, the bunkers were in the rough, but uh, <laughs> there, were, there were lots of central bunkers where players had to figure out which side of the bunkers to drive and 
there were obviously preferred angles into the flags and non-preferred angles and the, the, the fairways were wide and there was lots of stuff that we liked. I thought it was a pretty good course. I, I mean, I don't know how much it cost, but it was all reclaimed from the sea. So I suspect it was north of $80 million, which is which makes the game um, unattainable for, for poorer people who it, it seems there's nowhere to play cheap public golf. You know, there's no $30 golf up there. It's all $200 and the, the, the course where they played the next week, the Hannibank Tournament, you know, it's a public, there are three public courses there, but it's a $200 green fee. And, and that's not a great portent for the game going ahead in terms of people who are not wealthy playing it. No, indeed. Just on that city of, is it Incheon? Claims? Yeah. It's a purpose built 21st century city, is it not? I saw a sort of, it looked really interesting. And, and, and what was it like as a place outside of the golf course? Well, we stayed at the airport. Well, I stayed at the airport and then you, you take a taxi across that big bridge over the, over the water out to that. And, and it's just full of skyscrapers. And I'm not sure how many golf courses are out there, but the, certainly, the, you know, well, obviously the one they played. But yeah, it's, a, you know, it's just an example of reclaiming land from the sea and building a massive city out there. Interesting way to go about things. Jeff, just to go back to the China thing, I sort of flippantly mentioned it there, but um, and you sort of touched on it. So for those not in the picture, so the, the Communist Party has announced in the last couple of days that they're banning all 88 million of their members from playing golf or being members of golf clubs. Now, we've seen various bans and moratoriums on golf in China in the past, none of which ever seemed to have any effect. But I think, as you suggested, this one actually looks like it might be quite serious. Man. And the, the knock-on effect for the industry of golf uh, outside of China generally might be quite serious. Yeah, there's a story by Reuters talking to an equipment store, a golf equipment store owner in Shanghai, and his sales have plummeted, and he doesn't sound like he's very bullish on the future, uh, things getting any better. So it's uh, it's been building to this. I don't quite know what uh, is prompting it other than it seems to be an annual um, uh, uh, publishing of, of things that the party decides it doesn't like anymore and and golf has been very much a focus um and and i mean it's been banned for some time in the sense that construction was banned and yet people went forward with projects so um so so their their suggestion that there was corruption uh probably was 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 backed up by the fact that people kept building courses even though it was banned and there were bribes and there were uh, favors given to make people look the other way. So I guess they're justifying it in that sense. But um, it's it's uh, it's a tough one. I, I understand. I, I guess I've I've never really gotten too excited about it because I've always sensed that the people who were eager to see golf grow in China they really were not. You never really sensed there was an interest in just growing, uh, spreading the gospel of golf and and the things that you can take and learn and enjoy from it. But it, it was mostly a, a way to expand business. And, and ultimately, if you start from that point of view without really thinking of the sport and the people, you're really probably asking for trouble. If you're just trying to expand a business um, and, not, and the product is not the focus first, uh, it, it was probably doomed to fail. Yeah, generally speaking, developers don't grow golf, do they, Jeff? They grow bank accounts, and the two are very <laughs> sort of different things. Maybe it's time we got Dan Washburn back on the show. He was fabulous when we spoke to him. We may have to, he, to talk to Dan about this. Yeah, I, I think he's just now kind of collecting some thoughts and 
So I, I would think here pretty soon he'll have some interesting insights into uh, what's going on. Indeed. Clay says, being in the course architecture business and like all uh, course architects, work is not easy to come by. How important is the China market? I'm not sure if you work up there. Uh, how important is the China market? And what are your thoughts on what that might do as far as the industry is concerned if, if this genuinely happens, if we see this shrinkage of golf in China, which has been held up as the last great hope for the game? In fact, well, I went to the China Golf Show. I can't, we pitched for that, uh, Jeff. You remember that the first TPC course that we're going to do in Beijing? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The, the, oh, that beautiful site, right? On, on that most horrific site anyone's ever seen. But and Gil won that job. And we went to the China Golf Show that it was on the same week. And there were booths and booths of all the famous designers there who were obviously hitching their wagon to China. And in fairness, we'd have gone there too if we'd got a job, but we never did. So, my, my, I'm a, Tony Caswell, the golf course designer down in Australia, I know had, had a massive booth up there and he'd gone up there and he, like many others, he was thinking that this was going to be the next frontier of golf course building and it seems that's not going to happen. But Tom Doak told me something interesting once. Someone had told him, he said, what you've got to understand about golf in China is it's a way to gamble mm. because gambling's illegal up there, I think. And, oh. Golf, golf is a great game for gambling. You can bet on every single thing you want. You can bet on the longest drive, the straightest drive, the parts. You can bet on everything. Well, better than that, you can press clates yeah. in golf. That's the yeah. best thing about it. Is it? So someone had told him, he said, this is why Chinese play golf. It's a great vehicle to gamble. Well, so they also... Were yeah. they also gambling at the clubhouses, uh, uh, kind of like a barn bugle where there's a... Yeah. Was it just, beyond, was it just golf they, were, they would gamble on or beyond that? I, I don't know, but uh, hmm. you know, it's a. I'm, I mean, the game inevitably cannibalised itself by building courses without permits and all the corruption, no doubt, that went on. <clears throat> you know, in a way, it asked for it, really. Mm. If, if, if people have done it properly and got the proper permits and used water wisely and built sustainable courses and they made it cheap so everybody could play the game or you know anyone who wanted to play had some access to it, then perhaps it would have done better, but. It was a clearly a high-end, incredibly expensive sport. You know, you're assuming there were lots of dodgy deals that went on, and the government said no more, which was probably not surprising. Mm. It's a shame in so many ways, isn't it, Clades? The game has so much to offer in so many ways, but because it's attached to land, it has this monetary appeal for a bunch of people who've got no real interest in the game but can use it to make. It's just such a shame, isn't it, that what's been exported to places like China and Korea is not all the great facets of the game, but all of the, you know, just the how you can make money out of the game facets of it. It's a real no, shame. I wouldn't put a career in that, but, yeah, certainly China. And anyone that's building a housing estate golf course is just looking at the game to make money out of it. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Well, we've discussed all that before, so there's probably no need to, yep. uh, to keep going. But no doubt an interesting experience, as you said. Just going back to that women's tournament, now you, did you follow Amy Yang for that night? The best golf photo no. I've seen this year was her scorecard on your site, Jeff. I thought that was one of yeah. the great photos I've <laughs> seen. Nine <laughs> blue incredible. squares. I mean, when you hear it, you go, that's impressive. When you see the photo, it's amazing. Did you say, but you walked the back nine, didn't you? Was that easy to do? Everybody just immediately says, oh, it must have been an easy golf course if you made nine straight no, birdies. No, I mean, I no, I, no one saw nine birdies out there. It was a, it wasn't that difficult, but it, but it was you had to get lots of good shots and the par fives. Well, the eighteenth was reachable, but the the other par five in the back nine certainly wasn't reachable at all. That there was there was one not particularly good short par four where they'd moved the tee up and basically just made it a long par three. 
But, but I mean, nine birdies was incredible. I, I never saw that happening. But th there was a funny story. Apparently on the last hole, she chipped it, what, 12 feet past? And she asked the caddy to line the putt up. And he said, it doesn't matter where you... It, it doesn't matter where you hit it, it's going to go in. <laughs> uh, and so she wants you to step up with her eyes closed. Yeah, uh, slapped it in. Yeah, it was so. As a player, Clates, that says something about much more than just a golf. I mean, Amy Yang's got a beautiful golf swing, a beautiful game, golf game. I don't know that she's underrated necessarily, but she really is a terrific player. But to make nine birdies says more about than just your golf swing, doesn't it? There's some mental fortitude required to just keep churning them out. Once you get to six, well, I guess you just get in that place where you you're not thinking, but you, you know you're not particularly conscious about what's happening. You just look at you, know, you, you look at a putt and whack it in. Yeah, hell of a yeah, hell of an achievement and full marks to her. She deserved to get yet another mention, so we've given that to her today. Jeff, I wanted to come to something really quite big and interesting. We talked about this a couple of years ago, and I think we poo pooed the idea it would ever happen. But the Open is going to Royal Portrush, which is. Mm. Uh, fantastic news until the week comes around and you're trying to actually get there, which yeah. <laughs> which will yeah. be a nightmare. But just a few thoughts on the announcement during the week by the RNA that they will be taking the, the Open to Portage, which honestly I didn't think was ever going to happen. Yeah, I don't know why they suddenly decided to make it official now if they just didn't want to discuss it at St. Andrews because it was asked of Peter Dawson and he was um, – he was kind of almost rude about it, and uh, which kind of made me wonder if something was up. But it really came down to them, I guess, just wanting to see the club break ground on these new holes. And, and once they saw that, that was all they needed to see. And uh, I'm not wild about having to add the two holes because I, I don't hate the two finishing holes as much as some people seem to uh, dis dislike them, especially the 17th with that amazing uh, bunker. But uh, I think it'll be incredible it'll look incredible the the uh, fan support will be uh through the through the roof the european tour really uh, got a lot of nice credit from from people uh, from darren clark in particular uh, who pointed out that they were the ones really that paved the way for this the rna uh, i don't think they wanted to do this uh clates do you <laughs> no they, probably not no. no i mean yeah Initially, initially, I think they're all in now, but I, I don't think they initially wanted to do this. No, but I mean, I actually, I've never played the golf course, but I, I, if it's, oh, as it's, as, it's yeah, incredible. Yeah, if it's as good as Royal County Down, it, it'll be great. Obviously, I think it's better in the sense that the players will like it more, and that there really aren't any um, truly bizarre holes, and then there are just some incredible. Holes and the, the the 14th, the part three that everybody loves is uh, I don't know what it'll be in the new uh, routing. Yeah. I think it gets pushed later in the round though. I think it could be 16. Um, but uh, it's it's no, it's a sensational course and the setting. It's it's a very different setting than a lot of the the other links in the road. It's up a little bit higher, um, and so it's more of a, a golf course with with views and. It's it's a different kind of links than than the others and really than any other one they play and I think that's good though I think that adds a little variety to the to the group of courses and are we riding off the winner already as Rory McIlroy is that daddy not going to win <laughs> depends if he plays any soccer the week before Clates yeah that would uh, <laughs> I don't think he'd be playing any so he yeah. shot he shot sixty one around there hasn't he I think Jeff is. 
he has, and, and Darren Clark made sure to let us know yeah. that that won't happen again, and they're already talking about how the scores won't be low, and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, let's not, let's not worry about the winning score, it's, that's not important, uh, but I, you know, this always is the case, when you have a first-time venue, or it's the second open, but the first time in the modern era, they'll all be worried about the, the winning score and the RNA reacting, and of course, the RNA never reacts to scoring the only thing they react to at the old course that way is they just don't want to see a 59 I, I think but they don't care about um low scoring in the open that doesn't bother them uh, except that uh, that in that one instance at st andrews so uh, i hope they don't get goofy uh with the setup and and try to pr- promote a high score there that that'll backfire on it we always hear this. I want to get your thoughts on this, Clay. this notion that, you know, we don't want to see a 59 at St. Andrews. Would you care? What would, what would be your reaction if someone shot 59 in an open at St. Andrews? Would that be a bad thing? I'm just wondering. I'm not sure that would be a great ad for the game. Would it, Clates? Or would it? Well, uh, it, would be, it would be incredible to watch it, to see somebody do it. But no one's ever shot better than 63 in a major, so I'm not sure why someone's going to take four shots off that. And there are too many hard holes in the back nine. Mm. I mean, those yeah. ones are, you know, 13, 14, 16, 15, well, 15, 16, 17, they're way too hard for anyone to birdie any of those holes, really. What well, a run of them. And, you know, four is too hard a hole. You know, you're just not going to birdie the rest. Yeah, we, see, right? we see quite a few scores through sort of six, don't we, Jeff, that look like 59s on the cards, but it never gets mentioned because, as Clates says, you know what's coming on the back. Would it be bad, though, Clates? I mean, if someone shot 59, maybe not the old course, in a major, is it, uh, Shaq, is that a... Generally speaking, would that be a, a bad reflection on the game? No, of course not. No, it, it'd be wonderful. Uh, it, it would that, that the idea is to see somebody do something uh, incredible. <laughs> they they just we know why they don't like the idea of it because it still goes back to the old mentality that that uh, a lot of birdies and low scoring means uh, we haven't uh, protected the course enough, and then it leads to the dreaded ball discussion and all that. So it's it's a defense mechanism to to uh, say everything's hunky-dory and we, we're, we're doing a great job. Um, it's not about, uh, because as we know, the more you try to protect a golf course, the more fluky a winner you get sometimes. And uh, I mean, again, some of those, <laughs> not only are those holes hard on the, on the, the back at, at uh, the old course, really 15 and 16 shouldn't be that hard, but it's just, you just don't see many people hit close approach shots uh, all the birdies on 16 seem like they're long putts that, that people make um and i'm not entirely sure why that is they're just they're just not easy to hit close to but um i don't know the front nine though there's so many uh, birdie opportunities someday somebody's just gonna do what amy yang did and and get so far out at uh, that, that that they'll be able to do it i think and 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 especially the greens are uh, the conditioning they're so good that, that that only helps. Yeah. Did Goosen shoot sixty one there in a Dunhill Cup or something? Was it sixty one? Curtis Strange got sixty two one year in that mm. Right. Mm. Yeah. Which they don't count anymore. No, but uh, guys guys have come close, I suppose. It's well, anyway. I, I was just interested to get your thoughts on that. Uh, just the last thing on the open going to Port Rush, Jeff. The importance or the influence you think of sort of McElroy and the strength of sort of Irish golf the last five years with Clark winning one, McDowell winning one. McElroy winning four. Uh, how important has that been in the influence of getting there? He obviously would have been a great supporter of it and has already come out and said he's looking forward to 
being able to play at home. Does that play any part? We know the European Tour are prepared to change the rules for Rory. Uh, are we saying the, yeah, R- the RNA might have helped? He might have helped I don't, make a decision. I don't know how much it, it influenced it. Um, we are seeing this more and more, though, where tournaments, professional events, more so than something the RNA does, are turning to players to be that sort of spokesman for the event, which initially we were very uncomfortable with here in the United States when Tigers Foundation started being latched on to certain tournaments. But after a few years, we've kind of come to realize it's, 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 there are really only positives in it that, that having players advocate for courses and tournaments generally, even when they're paid by the place like Ian Poulter was with uh, Woburn, uh, it, it's positive uh, because they – it just shows a level of uh, of involvement that's a little bit different than we're used to, and it just seems to get other players more to buy in. And so I, I don't know if the RNA really listened to Rory and Darren Clark and Graham McDowell that much. Um, I just think they were so much worried about other things. The course has never been an issue. If you've been to Royal Portrush, you know it's just it's just an amazing. There's a reason it's always ranked in the top twenty in the world. So I don't think that. Those three uh, influenced them that much, but it couldn't have. It didn't hurt. Nah, it can't hurt to know that the home crowds are going to turn out in enormous numbers uh, as well to support. You would think, wouldn't you? Um, well, we'll see. I hope they don't out, uh, get carried away with the pricing. I mean, the the, the open is really they will. They will. You know, they will. It's 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 a tough ticket, uh, and a lot of people are are resisting and not, and not buying it. Yeah. Uh, Thursday at St Andrews this year, the the crowd was. Was not great. Well, the best day at St Andrews was the Monday, wasn't it, Jeff? That's what everybody else said. <laughs> right when they went down to, yeah. to ten pounds and kids were yeah. free. Yeah. yeah, it was packed and it and it was a different crowd. Remember, we talked about that. It's it was a it was there was a different energy in the air. And with the money you make from television, why can't they do that for four days and have four days of that? I mean, are they making well, that much money on the ground even the money, at those prices? TV money is just now going to start kicking in, and really won't be until next year where they're making. Major TV money, so it would be nice if I, I if they would budge on that a little, but I'm guessing they won't. Um, they've got to budge on the on the uh, some of some element of it somehow because it's embarrassing. Muirfield was embarrassing how small the crowds were, uh, especially then when you go to the Scottish Open at at uh, Gullen and the place is uh, yeah not an easy spectator course, not an easy experience on uh, theoretically, and the crowds were phenomenal mm. and it's important isn't it Clay? you've played professional golf i mean the crowd has an impact on the whole atmosphere of of the event i mean whether it impacts the actual play who knows but you know the smaller the crowd the, the worse it is i mean jeff ogilvy told us didn't he that chambers bay was one of the weirdest tournaments he'd played in because the crowds couldn't get anywhere near the golf on so many of the holes yeah um we're at pamua i know we've recounted this story before but we we're walking around pamua the week of the open and we asked three old guys if they were going to watch the open not too expensive yeah. So, so, you know, they just so, – so you keep the locals out. I mean, so so much of the crowd at the Open is mm. people flying in from somewhere else. There are lots and lots of Australians there and Americans. And, you know, it's not primarily a local crowd, it seems. Mm. It well, 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 it probably is primarily a local crowd. But, but the, you know, a big percentage of the crowd are people that fly in to watch the Open. Yeah. And once again, we've said this about, you know, how to set up golf courses and what makes for entertaining golf. Augusta National show the way, don't they, Jeff? You know, the ticket's expensive, but once you're there, everything at Augusta National is all very reasonably priced. And people come away and say, what a terrific experience. I mean, it's it's hard to get a ticket. We know that. But 
everything else, I mean, it's not that way at the Open. It's certainly not that way at the Australian tournaments. Everything, all the coffee's expensive, the food's ridiculously expensive. It's not very good value for money and all those sorts of things. It's, uh, you know, you don't give people a good experience. What do you think will happen, I suppose? Uh, yeah, we just see this over and over again. And you, you, we, we deal with it here with sports a lot in the United States. And, and I, I know I, I've said this before on the show, but it, it just boggles my mind that, that, the, that the people who, who make these decisions don't just occasionally put on a costume, whatever it takes, not that anybody would recognize probably any of them, but and just, just go to your events, your PGA Tour tournaments or your sporting event, whatever it is, go undercover, go as a fan pay your money go through the shuttle ride the whole thing and and just experience it and i think if they did that they would they would tweak so many little things uh and make it so much better the masters people give you the impression that they walk through everything from the point of view of the fan and i mean it, this is the same with everything clates knows this great golf course architects think about every element of the the experience as a as a golfer that that that's always the difference between the really special course and and the one that's not so great where you sense the person thought through every detail and envisioned the walk from a green to a tee and envision how shots would look and and it's it's just a matter of i uh, either people not wanting to take the time or not not caring enough but uh, it, it gets to be a little bit uh, tiresome because you, you, especially when you're when it's exposed by somebody like the people at Augusta National. Yeah. Well, well, the thing that sums up the Open versus the Masters for me, as great as the Open is, the uh, the, the store at Augusta where you can buy so much great stuff in there at a reasonable price, and you go to the Open and there's that horrible. Well, it used to be the exhibition tent. Now it's just a shop. Full oh, of, it's awful. Yeah. Basically, full of junk. I mean. It's just, it's just amazing how they've turned that thing in, in something that was great in the eighties into something so much more commercial. But there's no reason ever to go in there. It's just no good at all. But but I'm sure it makes more money. But it's it's just no good. And it's a classic example of commercialism overriding everything. And eventually, to the detriment of the entire event, don't you? When you were talking there, Jeff, it reminded me. I heard a doctor interviewed some years ago who'd written a book. He got sick, and he'd never been a patient before. And he was horrified at what it was like to be part of the medical yeah. system because he'd always yeah. been a doctor. And there's a li- yeah. there's an element of that, isn't there? That you know, there's been maybe they just don't realise what that experience is like when you get, you know, your chauffeur driven car to the tournament each day and all the rest. Of it. It's all very simple, I suppose, isn't it? Um, so you make a really good point. It wouldn't wouldn't be a bad idea, for perhaps, for some of the the brass to catch the bus and go and pay for their own fish and chips and see what that's like. Um, I think it'd be. I mean, I, if I were in their position, I think that would be fun. I think it would be, uh, but they don't really. You don't sense that that's something that a lot of the people in golf. David Fay, for instance, the old USGA executive director. That's something he would do, mm-hmm. but he was always too busy doing the uh, television. But that's the kind of person he is because he likes to go to. He literally is a sports fan, and he likes to go to sporting events. Uh, I don't see Peter Dawson doing something <laughs> like that. No, that's. Uh, uh, that's very true. Uh, point well made. Just on the um, players promoting tournaments, you were at Woburn, um, Clates, and Jeff touched on that. Uh, this year, I think Ian Poulter was the ambassador for the tournament. I think next year is Luke Donald. They're going to have a rotation of players. It seemed to be a somewhat interesting tournament in that sense. There were a few different things going on and partnering with a 
pay TV station as one of the sort of major sponsors of the event. Did on the ground did it feel any different? Did you notice anything about it, or was it just another sort of golf tournament? Well, there were fifteen thousand free tickets on Thursday. No, it was just another golf tournament. I mean, I, mean, I was I was talking to Chubby Chandler about it, and he was questioning whether he said, "How much longer can we just keep serving up this stuff?" Which was he was talking about just another seventy-two hole golf tournament. Mm-hmm. He said, "Golf needs to get more inventive in terms of." Oh. The, the, the sort of events it runs, and I mean, I think the Victorian Open down here, where the men play with the women, is interesting. I think yeah. the seniors could play with women. I, you know, I think the Grand Slam tennis shows that how combined the two sexes in yeah. one event is terrific. But just serving up another seventy-two hole golf tournament is, oh, you, know, you just people are getting tired of that. I think um, the interesting thing was it was for many years there's only been one event on the European Tour played in England. Mm. British PGA, we can talk about Wentworth too at this point. <laughs> uh, but the, the return of the Masters after whatever it was, seven or eight years, brought another professional event to England when I was playing there in the 80s. There were six or seven. Of course, they lost them to the cigarette companies, went away. and But for whatever reason, they lost all the professional golf out of England, really. Which was silly because it's such a great. I mean, people love watching golf there. Mm. Oh well, and interesting. They're they're quite a, particularly the last decade or two decades have been quite strong in golf, more so than perhaps previously too. Clates. I mean, they've had some. You know, they've got some really good players. Uh, yeah, the problem is that clearly is that they call them European players, and shown by the farce this week of Polter having to take Rich Beam's spot to be eligible to play the Ryder Cup. These guys, they class them as European tour players, but they don't play any events in no. Europe. Because they count the they count the majors and world championship events as European events, so they play eight of those or whatever there are, eight or nine of those, and they play the British PGA, and that's their token gesture, and a couple in the Middle East, and that's it. So if they didn't though, Europe, if they didn't do that, would we not be facing the cancellation of the Ryder Cup? Because all of those European tour players, the only reason that they count that is so that those guys can play in America and still play the Ryder Cup. So the European Tour is kind of in a bit of a bind, aren't they? They need those guys to play the Ryder Cup. And if they don't make it possible for them to essentially play in America but still play enough events to satisfy the rank and file, uh, then the Ryder Cup would be in all sorts of trouble. We might be left with just the President's Cup, Clay. Well, they would just find a different way to pick the team. But, I mean, clearly, I think the European Tour has done the deal with the Asian Tour to mm. merge with them. They'll take over Australia, hopefully, in the next year or two. They've already got the Perth International and the PGA. So it's on its way to, be, to, to being the World Tour. And their aim should be, in 20 years' time, to be mm-hmm. the equal of America and, and, and to stop the exodus of all the best players to America. That should be their aim. Mm. So, so to do that, they've got to have great events, played for a lot of prize money on great courses. But but it's a generational thing. That's that's not going to happen in the next ten years. But you know you've got to stop the kid who's three years old now who turns into Roy McIlroy from just going to America as a default position. You've got to make the tour outside of America attractive enough for the best non-Americans to see that world tour as a viable option. Mm. Does any do you guys follow that secret tour pro on Twitter? I drop into Twitter occasionally. Yep. He's interesting. Does anyone know who he is yet? I, don't, I haven't figured it out. No. Ogilvy was the main contender. No. Oh, well, and gosh, he, we know yeah. what we know. It's not him. So he wrote a column for, I don't know, I saw a link on the Twitter for, for some, I think maybe an online magazine, talking about the scheduling and what an issue that is for the European tour and how 
some of the, a lot of the top players like McElroy, well, McElroy's been given a special dispensation this year to play less events than required and still maintain his membership. But the, the scheduling being a problem, and he outlined some of the flying involved in the early part of the season. Isn't the problem with a world tour, Clates, exactly that? The amount of travel involved makes it far more difficult to play than in America, where everything really is very easy to just travel the country internally. Well, it is, but, but you've, got, you've clearly got to line things up in order. You can't be going... Hmm. Now, all the, all the way across the world to play one event, and then somewhere else, you know, somewhere crazy the next week. You've got to, you know, go in a logical order. You know, you, you, whether you start in South Africa and go to Australia, and then go up through Asia, and then go to the Middle East, and then go to Europe, and play in some sort of sensible line. Mm. But you know, they, they seems like they're jerking all over the place. So, you know, they're going from Hong Kong to, I don't know where they're playing. Uh, I'm not sure where they're playing next week. Turkey, but, isn't it Turkey? Turkey, Hong yeah. Hong so, so you've got these you know, one-off event in Hong Kong, and they're somewhere else, and mm. so they're going to Woburn, and they're so so it's. As I said, you've got to create some logical line where it's a tour that goes in a, you know, sensible way, and to to eliminate the cost of playing it and the uh, and the amount of time you spend in the air. Isn't it? Uh, but just you mentioned Rory. Isn't it? I don't know if you saw the stories, but uh, he gave a few interviews when he came to the Fry's event, and it's fascinating. Yeah, he used to love being the world traveler and thought it was pretty cool, and it's. It's so clear he's he's so over it, <laughs> and yeah. he's he's really not enjoying these these cross world uh, voyages anymore. Which is great. I think that's a good sign. I think he'll cut a few things, and uh, but it's fascinating how how he's clearly souring on that. And um, uh, I, I know the people involved in running these things they they hate to hear it, but it's um, I think for his chances of winning more majors he's going to have to cut back on it on it. and it just it doesn't matter how young you are it just it's it's too much it wears you out it doesn't matter if you're flying private and yeah. and staying in luxury hotels it's just still too much and plus he makes a lot of money he'd like to enjoy uh, the house that he <laughs> the houses he's purchased yeah. it's it's pretty clear he misses that too it, it's always struck me as insane check that guys can make as much money as those at the very top level do and in reality it would be hard to own a dog because you'd never see it. It's bizarre, Plus, isn't it? That you could have hundreds of millions of dollars and you can't enjoy the simple pleasures like just having no. a pet dog. I mean, I know right. Tiger's got dogs, but um, uh, and the LPGA players take their dogs that, with them. I think but, that's a different uh, thing. Though. Yeah, <laughs> not the sort of dog I was thinking that Rory might necessarily <laughs> sport. Really, uh, you don't you don't see Rory uh, with a little frou frou dog? Uh, no, I don't see it. No, they, they don't take to Bichon. the gym. No, I've got <laughs> hey, I've got a Bichon, so. Oh, they're great. I but, yeah, I don't think beautiful. that would project the image that uh, he's looking to. No. That would not really <laughs> uh, right. intimidate his peers, would Indeed. it? That, that when he gets off the jet with the <laughs> with the, the well, fluffed-up Bichon, no. If he's got it in a handbag, he can just call it right, quits. Right. No, oh, nobody is ever <laughs> going to be afraid of him on a golf course again. But more importantly, that bigger issue there, though, Shaq, and it, it is kind of the reality. We, ideally, for those of us outside of America, we love the concept of some kind of world tour that, that Clates has outlined there that, you know, where there's great players both sides of, you know, there's some player in America and some player. That, but there are real issues about that because for the players it's much more difficult. I mean, is that is it feasible or at the end of the day is the reality that the PGA Tour will swallow up pretty much all of golf? Uh, no, I think Keith Pelly, the new European Tour chief, is going to – I think he's – from what I gather, he has a, a very strong vision – and he wants to create essentially uh, three strong parts of the year for the European Tour. And I think they would be 
at points of the year where they're working around the PGA Tour. Now, whether he can get the, the star players to buy in, I don't know. But it sounds to me like that the long-term goal is to try and really make some, for some strong, big, big, healthy events that are marquee world events and, and, and let some of the ones die that are, that are, that are on the fringes. Uh, I mean, they play a lot of events and I, I think that's their, uh, if they do that, I think they will survive and maybe thrive. Uh, uh, you know, I, I'm guessing the, the, the three uh, times a year he really would focus on would be the sort of the January, February and where they are pretty strong right now. And as we see, they're going to continue to, lure players uh from america and then the uh kind of the the french open scottish open season around the open uh and then the race to dubai because yeah it 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 would be a tough gig wouldn't it to (laughs) i think to try and manage all of that and and come up with something workable because you've got to you've got to get the players on board yeah that's at the end of the day, without the players, it just doesn't work, does it? And that's the difficult thing is that... Well, no, I'm, and then now this... Uh, are we going to see this merging with the uh, Asian tour here pretty soon? Isn't that that's something that's in yeah. the cards? It's essentially a, a, a done deal, but I'm not sure. Do we know how that's going to work What does yet? that mean? Well, what's going to happen with that? Or why are they doing it? Okay, so One Asia, you would think, will disappear fairly quickly. I mean, the Australian PGA have already bailed on One Asia by signing with Europe for the PGA Championship, and they were one of the main drivers of it. What was it, seven or eight years ago they started that One Asia Tour, Clates, which has never really gained any sort of traction. It seems like the Asian Tour won that war, really. Yeah, most definitely. Whether that's right or wrong, it doesn't really matter. So I assume that what that means is that the European Tour will, and I imagine it's partly in response to this CIMB event, Shaq, because the the European Tour had been in Asia for so long, they kind of figured it was their ground, and then suddenly the PGA Tour started an event in Asia, and maybe they thought, well, we've been a bit complacent, we need to stitch up this part of the world. It'd be something along those lines. I don't know. But there's mm. some fairly significant things happening. I mean, they've, 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 they've said outright that essentially they're going to merge. Um, and it really didn't make that much news, did it, Clates? You had to go looking to find that. Yeah, which it did, I was yeah. sort of surprised by. But I suspect in the next couple of years it will make news as some various things happen, including, I think, as you alluded to there, Shaq, that Jordan Spieth will be playing the Singapore Open. Um, yes, one of the leading events. Um, <laughs> to to ever Asia. return to a calendar. Leaving, leaving for three years yeah, uh, on vacation. That's right. After a three-year break, it's emerged as a leading contender. That's just cynical of us, and we shouldn't. Uh, yeah, that's just a reminder for players that, that you should proofread the press release that the agent sends before it goes out. Um, but, um, yes, he's going to skip Torrey Pines. And um, uh, he's played Torrey Pines once since he made his pro debut there. So as far as I'm concerned, he's he's – return the favor. He has a lot of favors to return. Um, and I, I, I think you can make a case that that one's a little more special because it was his first pro exemption. I actually had people uh, trying to make the case, well, but it came last minute. And I said, well, that's not <laughs> something an agent could come up with. It was an exemption. The one that's actually more powerful, and I think he will be more uh, loyal to or feel, feel like he should, and he already, again, has played at Riviera twice, and he loves it. And uh, Texas almost won the national championship there, but they gave him an exemption as an amateur, mm. so he's going to play there again. But um, he, he, you can only fulfill so many of those, and he's he's played every event that gave him uh, gave him an exemption once. 
So to me, that's that's enough. He's done his part, and I'd take the money if I were him too. Yeah. If I'm afraid to think what they're offering him, and <laughs> absolutely go take it. And how little he actually now, needs it is the irony of it. Right? No, that's <laughs> fine. I yeah, absolutely. It. Good luck to him. Yeah. Now, there's a different story if he starts doing this the week before a major championship, and he's playing somewhere uh, that's going to create a long trip or. That's not going to get him very well prepared for the major. This is in. Uh, this is going to be in late January, so uh, that's really not even close to the to the major season. And again, he's one that's also shown uh, an interest in playing elsewhere. I mean, when he came down here and played in Australia last year, he played in Japan the week before. Um, so he'd already sort of, and he said, he talked about it while he was here that he enjoys the notion of traveling the world and playing golf. So uh, you know, it's not like it's just come out of the blue and it's only about the money. I think there's a genuine desire to uh, to play around the world as well. Let's just finish up because I know Clates has got a tea time in the not too distant future. Something wow. we touched on before we started recording. And I was very interested to read your enthusiasm for the long drive contest this past week, Jeff, on the blog. Clates, I asked you about it and then we decided not to talk about it because we wanted to to sort of be spontaneous. Your thoughts on long drive clothes? I've seen it once up close, and I must admit I found it fairly impressive. What was your take? What's your take on this as a, as a sport, so to speak, long drive? Well, only in America would it work. I mean, no one. Well, well, perhaps in Asia they have some interest in watching guys who can't particularly play very well slash the ball as far as they can. I mean, that's kind of I kind of watched it on some sort of video last night, YouTube or something, or Shaq, no, on Shaq's side, I think, but. Um, I don't know what to make of it. I, I mean, I, what amazes me is the, how these guys don't play better. I suppose they're just slashes who just stand there and smash the ball. And, and, and I suppose I, mean, I, I suppose it's somewhat interesting seeing the ball go 380 yards, but it's not something I would go and watch. But I know Shaq loves it, so. Yes, yeah, so this is what I want to tell you. So, so what is it that appeals to you, Shaq? I mean, it's one of those sports that you've got to go watch it live. To really appreciate it, unfortunately, it doesn't translate brilliantly to TV for all sorts of reasons. But where did the enthusiasm for it come from for you, Shaq? Well, first of all, to to the point that Clates made earlier and Chubby Chandler's comment uh, about seeing some different things in in the game, and obviously that that relates to pro events. But uh, I I just like seeing something that's that's different. Um, we've had to hear for years about the great athletes in our game and how that's the reason the ball is going a lot longer and, and it has nothing to do with the equipment and, and, and that was all nonsense. These people, to me, are real athletes. Seeing them in person, seeing what they do to warm up, seeing how flexible they are. They're not just strong, they're flexible. Uh, I, I'm, I'm impressed by them. Now, this hap- what happened this year was the same problem they had at the one I went to in Las Vegas a couple of years ago. The landing grid was a little... Narrow, and they had a little more. You know, it's Oklahoma. I'm, I don't think they could have been shocked by the wind. Um, it, it, but uh, so it did make it a little harder to hit the grid. Although I was uh, shocked by some people like Jamie Sedlowski, who who is a very good golfer. Tim Burke, who won it, is actually a, a good player too. He's not on Jamie's level, but uh, they were they were they had some pretty wild misses. But they're hitting drivers with four four degrees of. Uh, Law. I mean, these things are just, they're like Jumbo Ozaki's old drivers or even, even more extreme. So I find it, I just find it fascinating uh, what, these, what they can do uh, with a golf ball. I, I love the emotion and uh, the way they get into it. I think that it's great for people to see something like that, that golf has all these different ways. You know, we always talk about all the different ways golf can be played, the different formats, and, and I just think the game turns people off when it 
puts down something like this, which would appeal to, to maybe not a massive audience, but it appeals to a different kind of sensibility. And I, I think you also need to see the whole telecast. The Golf Channel did kind of their, their Olympic-style uh, features, and some people didn't like that because it dragged it out a little too long. But you get a little bit about these people, and they're not just your average drone golf pro. They're really... Uh, interesting uh, kind of different characters. And so I, I like all of that. And I just think it's uh, fun to see something so different. Mm. I, I've been in both camps. I was sort of like Clates and I had to go and cover a long drive thing. And I've got to say, in person, I thought it was terrific. I can't see that, like golf itself, television just doesn't do it justice. But they do put on a good yeah, show you know, in person. What they, what they, the, the two things they, they miss, um, and I think Golf Channel, now that they're invested in it, will go a little bit beyond. Is they, they, they need a blimp shot and they, uh, or a speed cam uh, kind of early on to give you a sense because it's, it's uh, unbelievable to see uh, the launch of some of these drives. Um, and then the other thing is maybe a drone that kind of tries to follow follow a tee shot that's tough to do in a competition but these guys want noise so i don't think they'd be bothered by that but i think you'd get a sense of the of the speed uh, and the uh, that the ball is flying as it comes off the club and um it's it's kind of fun and it's just fun being there with a crowd they create a great little arena effect and and everybody gets excited and uh, it's just different. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I, I agree. All of those things are true. Do, do they use the pro? I haven't seen any of the footage. Do they use the pro tracer for it because, of course, you can't see the ball yeah. on TV. Oh yeah, they had a they, they had, had a live pro tracer, tracer which was great. Yeah. I mean, you knew you knew right off the bat, which uh, it is amazing what a difference that makes watching golf having that live pro tracer. It is uh, got to be the thing they they make the essential in in all future golf uh, television. Yep. Absolutely couldn't agree more. It's not easy to do, though. But no, it, I know. It, That's the part. People don't understand how difficult it is. But it will only get easier, you would think, Shaq. Like all technology, it's only going to get, sure, get better. Sure. So hopefully they'll be able to do it mobile at some point, as you say, and follow each and every one. Clay, it's just nice to hear there, at least um, Shaq's sticking a little bit to, to the traditions and calling for more width, even in the long drive. Oh, yep, <laughs> yep. <laughs> Absolutely, but no. The thing that's funny though is how many people and I. I mean, the the I get some really nutty comments about how can you be excited about this and then be preaching about rolling back the ball. And it's like, well, not, millions and millions of dollars are are spent to change golf courses, these huge venues. This is a contest that's hit into a field. Um, where maybe a resort like this one took a golf hole and they sprayed uh, paint down and they did some things, but nothing's being compromised here to allow these people to to perform. Uh, and I, I didn't think that that is a complicated um, delineation, but apparently it is. Uh, you no wonder you find yourself in conflict so often, Shaq, with um, <laughs> <laughs> with people. I also I just was shocked how many people put it down without watching it, and uh, that that, yeah. that I just begged people just watch it, just mm. watch. and then if you hate it, fine, but Actually, just just watch it, listen to the interviews, listen, watch the guys get emotional. I mean, there was one hilarious reaction where the guy thought he nailed the drive, and it ended up 
uh, going out pretty easily, and, and it was easily the most uh, embarrassing premature <laughs> celebration in the history of golf. It was, it was, yeah. So fabulous, but they're great. Which, they're great entertainers, aren't they? That Jamie said said last I've seen a couple of his videos on YouTube. The clinics he does, and he's fantastic. Like he's entertaining as well as you know being able to do something quite amazing. Yeah, with a yeah. golf ball. Have we turned your clates? Are you a long drive fan now? You're going to no, go to the I, next I, one. I, I watched it. I thought it was quite. I kind of watched it and thought it was. Thought it was I mean, it's interesting to see how far a human can hit a golf yeah. ball. Kind of to, to me, that's somewhat interesting to see, to see what's possible. Just before we finish, anyone who wonders why Korean women dominate golf needs to go to Korea and watch because it's really obvious. You wrote about this, didn't you, Clay? You wrote a, a column about this, which was really interesting. Really obvious. They're just better. They're, and they're miles better technically. I mean, you stay on the range and you watch the rest of the world and there are a few decent swings. I think Jessica Corder's got a terrific swing. She's, I know she played poorly this year, but I spoke to her teacher who said he'd changed some stuff and she won in Malaysia easily and convincingly. She looks terrific. But you, 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 there are Koreans that no one's ever heard of, one of whom Ko was her surname. I'm not sure, I don't even know her first two names. I've forgotten. But Jin Ko, maybe she lost the British Open this year. She was three ahead and lost to... Yes, him. yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Hit it in the water on 16, I think. I watched her play the last day. She played with So Young Yu and she, wow, I mean, she's amazingly good and she just plays in Korea. So you just need to look at the range and watch the techniques, how much better they are to see so what's it's, better. So you're saying it's the instruction. It's not, because the, the perception here is that they just work harder than than women outside the rest of the world and that's why they're different. But you, you feel it's more of well, that, well, well, how they're learning the game? Whether they work harder or not, well, I think there's probably an incredibly competitive environment up there. Yeah, that always helps. And the, the, I mean, Inji Chung, who won the US Open this year, a terrific athlete, great body for golf, strong and flexible and tall and great golf swing and just smashes it. And the best name in golf, Clates, Q Back. That's her first name. Is just the letter Q. Well, I know she changed it to Q. Yeah, but oh, did she? But, yeah, I mean, I mean, she's got a terrific golf swing. And she's not playing that well at the moment, but she's got a great swing. Uh, you know, you, 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 you look along the range and, every, wow, there are so many of them that just swing the club beautifully, hit beautiful shots. And the, the Americans, in comparison, are miles behind. I mean, Morgan Pressel and Paula Kramer, and they're just not in the same race technically. Mm. Mm. Is, so, is that so, what we want to see, though, Clates? Wasn't the game more fun when all the golf swings looked different? I'm sure I've decried this before, and I'm sure you might have agreed with me. Isn't the game well, more interesting when people go about it differently? I don't know. Well, I'm not sure they don't go about it differently, but, I mean, the swings look more the same now because, I mean, to me, the golf swings look the same in the 40s. Go and watch the, those old guys play in the 40s. There were lots of swings that look you – know, I watched a YouTube thing the other day of a whole pile of guys teeing off in the 1939 US Open at Philadelphia. The swings all look the same. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, golf got derailed by, you know, you know, the Nicholas era when we saw the most amount of idiosyncratic swings. But players in the forties all swing pretty much the same. You know, you know, it was the Peter Thompson, Gene Sarazen kind of arms tied to your body, ro rotate, and Nicholas kind of, you know, for want of a better word, derailed a lot of stuff. But I mean, swings now look the same because the golf swings an inclined plane, and the closer you swing to the inclined plane, the better you play. So, you know, we're seeing more and more technically correct swings for one of well, they're orthodox because there are more and more guys swinging on the plane because you kids grew up with video cameras and teachers get them to swing on the plane mm. whereas so you know I, I'd never seen much of Louis play 
that we used Tazen play before the President's Cup. I mean, wow, I mean, Jeff Ogilvy keeps telling me this guy's the best player in the world. And you watch him play, and well, no one looks the game, no one makes the game look as easy as he does. But I mean, you know, that's a, you could accuse him of having a swing that looks the same as Charles Schwartz or Adam Scott or, you know, these guys who just swing up and down the plane line. But, wow, what a beautiful player to watch. But going back to the point, you just need to go to Korea to see why they're the best players because there's just a whole line of them who just play, look great mm. and, and, and go on the golf course and play great golf. Just on Louis, he didn't get the credit he deserved for bringing back the snood at the President's Cup either, I didn't feel close. Oh, yeah, no, he did, yeah, the last <laughs> climber. Yeah. It was a hell of an effort. Just on that, so, so Clades, do you think, what sort of is the culture behind that? Is there is there more instruction, more formalised instruction? How are they developing these technically better swings that, that we're missing out on in other parts of the world, do you think? What drives that? Why is it Why is it so, I suppose, is the question. Well, I think role models and better, perhaps better instruction and perhaps, you know, I think the American college system, if you were going to criticise it, tends to focus more on short-term results and long-term technical excellence, which is what gets you there in the end. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think it's an incredibly competitive environment. And, and I, w- I watched NB Park play the first day with her husband walked around with a friend of his who had a four-year-old daughter who walked around a hilly golf course. I watched her all day. She walked around a hilly golf course for, for four and a half hours or five hours, never looked like complaining. Or, you know, I mean, she was in there watching. She, 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 on some level, this four-year-old kid understood this was a big deal. Wow. I mean, try getting an American or an Australian four-year-old kid to walk around an old golf course and watch golf. Not without, without, not without an iPad. Yeah, well, not going to happen. <laughs> Thank you very much. And, of course, talking of exception to the rule in B Park. <laughs> of all the golf swings that have come out of Greece, she's got the one that's particularly unorthodox, and, of course, she's the world's number one Yeah, that, that's player. true. But great player. Uh, a, a tremendous player, yeah. Absolutely. Tremendous. Gents, we must let Clates go for his tea time. Been fabulous to catch up with you both. Clates, thank you for uh, letting us in on some of the, your travels and the things that you saw. Great to hear from you as always. Thank you, Rod. Good fun. And Shaq, always great to catch up. Let's try not to leave it so long next time. If you and Clates weren't so successful, please just wind back a bit. I've heard more of you two on other podcasts in the last month than I've heard of you on our own we, podcast. We will not let that continue. <laughs> thank you for your time today. Thank you. Um, All right. That wraps it up for episode, I think it's 61 of State of the Game. Do hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. We'll be back to do it all again soon on State of the Game. State of the Game is a Talk and Golf production. Theme music, Writer's Retreat, provided by Lloyd Cole. Visit www.lloydcole.com for more information. For more golf podcasts, log on to www.talkandgolf.com.